Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Inside Carolina Postgame Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. That's Sherelle McMillan joining me. We're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. Of course, the place to be on Franklin Street to get your Carolina gear and the place online to get your gear. If you can't make it to Chapel Hill, Johnny T-Shirt's got everything you need, all sports, all gear, shirts, tees, sweats, sweatshirts, whatever, hats. Spring's coming up. Hit them up. Get your Johnny T-Shirt swag. Premium Carolina, Inside Carolina subscribers get 10% off their everyday order. Game podcast and with Jarrell McMillan and me, Tommy Ashley, we're going to discuss a game that went down in Death Valley, Clemson, Sherelle, Carolina, 79 77. I'll let you start while I try to collect the thoughts on this one. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it was a game that North Carolina severely needed. We, we all understand that after losing to Duke. Uh, pretty much no margin for error with some of these games uh, going into it. They thought it was going to be a Q1 and Clemson lost on Saturday. So it became a Q2 game. So, you know, really more pressure to not lose it versus to win a Q1 almost. And uh, it started off a little rough. You know, they had another one of those sleepy starts that have plagued this team really over the last two seasons. I believe it was 19 to eight at one point or 18 to nine, something like that. Uh, fought their way back and, you know, we're up five at, at halftime. So, um, you know, we've been hard on this team, everybody, the, the fans, the media, uh, the coaches, pretty much everyone has been hard on this team. So I do think we have to, to give them a little bit of praise um, despite how it looked and despite how they got there, they got what they needed to get, which was a win on the road in the ACC. And the consensus was among you know, people from ESPN and who do bracketology and who study this stuff um, that they had to get, you know, a couple of quality wins uh, on the road at home. And I think Clemson on the road is a pretty quality win, you know, albeit they were without Hunter Tyson, who's a very important player for them, uh, but they still find a way to win. And I think that's the most important thing. It's one of the things with this team that we wondered about, can they take a punch, get down and get back up? And they did it in this game a couple of times. Um, a lot of it was in spite of themselves, as we've talked about recently. Uh, it, it felt a lot like Louisville last week, honestly, to me, um, just in, in the game flow and how things um, turned out. But you can't apologize for winning. You especially can't apologize for winning on the road in the ACC, you know, about 72 hours after you were embarrassed, destroyed, annihilated on national TV against your arch rivals. So uh, you have to give them props for bouncing back. Indeed, you do. Uh, a lot to break down. Greg Barnes and Gregory Hall are on site there at Clemson, and they'll give you all the insight from Clemson. But, Sherelle, the one thing I noticed, uh, and you mentioned the Louisville game, and I thought about that. And, you know, the Louisville game had a lot to do with the officiating, but 
players were getting chippy players were getting chippy in this one but i never thought it really got out of hand like it did against in the louisville game but one person and i want to get your take here i was not expecting to be doing this post-game podcast so um props to rail for stepping up in absence of others um Baycott's getting tired of it. I said that two or three weeks ago, and he keeps progressing, getting more and more tired of it. And tonight, it almost cost his team. As a coach, what do you say to a guy that's clearly getting beat to death, clearly playing his butt off? I mean, he had a great game tonight. How does Hubert Davis sort of rein that in from the big man? That's so very important. Uh, The message has to be control what you can control, and you can't control – what the officials are going to call um, sometimes, you know, I thought the officiating tonight was worse than Louisville, honestly, for both teams. Like the, the, the last foul on PJ hall with like 58 seconds left was atrocious. <laughs> it was awful. Um, so I don't want people to think I'm being biased to, towards Carolina here, but on both sides, the officiating was just bad, just uh, really rough. But I, I think that's the message to Armando because um, he knows how important he is to the team. Hubert Davis knows how important he is to the team. And so he has to act like it. And I know it's frustrating for him to constantly get, you know, beat on and, and hit and fouled with no calls, but he can't react the way he did tonight. Um, and I think that's the message that the coaching staff will have to give him is con- control what you can control um, and let me, uh, Hubert Davis, you know, Sean May, Brad Frederick, Jeff Lebo, let us handle the, the referees because he is starting to, you know, you can start seeing it uh, every few possessions. It seems like he's kind of saying something to the referee or looking at him. And that doesn't help, especially, um, uh, you know, as Carolina goes down the stretch with how important he is. Uh, so that's the message that, that I think Hubert Davis will give to him. Yeah. And that's across the board. And it's also the reason why I don't really blame officials a lot for games and people always say well it's ridiculous whatever but it's to your point you can control what you can control and you can't tell you can't control what you're going to call or what they're going to call but you have to play through it and Baycott go ahead yeah like you know I'm sure I'm not sure what Gregory and Greg are going to write but had you know that three went in I think they're writing that Armando Baycott's you know fourth foul probably cost North Carolina a chance at the NCAA tournament. You know, it, it was, we're, we're at that time of the season now where one possession, one foul, one technical, you know, one lapse in judgment for three or four seconds could be the difference between North Carolina playing in March in the big tournament or North Carolina playing in March in the national invitational tournament. So, uh, you know, they just, you had to control what you can control. And uh, some of the, the talking to the, the officials, even if they are hyped up and, and they're upset, they just got, they got to ring that in a little bit. Yeah. And, and look, I'm not saying that the officials are any good. They're clearly not, but you, you can't talk to them. And, and especially those couple of guys, uh, you saw that against uh, one of them was at Virginia Duke last night. You saw that. I mean, it's just, just don't talk, just play. Hubert Davis will have to get that through to Baycott. Um, but, look, you can't deny Baycott's game. Eight for 10, 24 and 10. Um, the five fouls is not good. 32 minutes. Sherelle, he he showed some athleticism tonight and made some plays through contact that he hasn't really done a lot. What what'd you think about him and then also Manic there underneath? Because that's it for Carolina inside. And I thought those two played well enough. Um, Baycott was obviously – great again just come in on the bigs down there manic 37 minutes tonight played he, 35 against duke he looked like his his legs were were a little gone a little worn 
Um, and, you know, I feel for the guy because he's trying really hard defensively. And there are some things that he can't overcome athletically just some limitations that he has and they're just going to be there. Um, but he is trying hard. He's, he's trying to be in position. He's trying to battle about down there. He's not soft. I know that's something that's been bandied about with this UNC team, but you know, that is not uh, Brady Manic at all. What I do like about him is even though his shots aren't falling, you saw even on the game winning basket, you saw him cut to the basket several times. You saw him uh, making nice entries from the high post. Uh, you saw him flare out to set screens. He's just doing, whatever he can to impact the game. I, I think that was really important uh, for UNC. And then Baycott, I mean, he, he has the tools, especially against defenders who are smaller than him. But I think sometimes he just doesn't get the ball enough. There was a stretch there after he came back in the game. I want to say uh, the five-minute mark is when he came back in. He said for about six, five or six minutes. And he came in, and I believe his next offensive touch um, or his next shot was that three-pointer attempt, uh, you know, towards the end of the game. He had a nice assist to Manic, but besides that, those are the only real, you know, scoring opportunities I recall him having. So there are times where they just don't – they forget about him or they can't get it to him or teams try to take him away, and then that's what North Carolina has to counter. Um, and I think they did enough of it tonight with other players who stepped up. Uh, let's talk about Love and Davis in the backcourt. Uh, Caleb Love, I was tweeting this out too before you said let's do this post game. Man, that guy is maddening. Uh, I mean, he just does <laughs> stuff. He does stuff that is like, what in the world? And you make it. It, it seems like he he's never played basketball before, and then he hits a huge shot. Uh, I mean, and R.J. Davis, scrappy, undersized, makes some plays, has some good assists. Sixteen and six for R.J. Davis. I mean. The shooting is not going to shoot the lights out at all, but they did enough for Carolina tonight, I thought. RJ, that was one of his better games at Carolina. Um, 16 points, six assists, zero turnovers um, in the amount of minutes he played on the road in the ACC. Uh, and what I liked about what he did was he wasn't always driving to score. And I think that's something in the past that's been in, you know, he's, he's hardwired to score. He's a scorer naturally. Uh, but I think he, is learning kind of when to do that and when not. That's the maturation you want to see in, in a point guard or a lead guard. Um, so, again, great game uh, for him. And then Caleb, you know, it, it is tough because he's not played well recently, and I think he knows it. And I think sometimes he's hard on himself, just like uh, the announcers and Hebert Davis talked about Brady Manick being hard on himself. But Joey uh, quoted uh, Ted Lasso, you know, the whole goldfish thing. And <laughs> it, it's true, man. I mean, he had some really tough stretches there where he was turning it over. He took some forced pull-up jumpers that didn't go in. Um, but those forced pull-up jumpers that didn't go in, I guess, got him in rhythm. And when it counted, he made the, you know, probably maybe the biggest shot of the game. And then uh, UNC cleared it out for him to drive. And he made a great decision to pass to Manic. So, it's uh, yeah, it's not much to say. It's like, you know, it's great that he can put the previous 38 minutes behind him, but you would like to see more of that last minute the previous in the previous, you know, 38, 39 minutes. Yeah, it's like put the previous 38 behind you forever um, <laughs> and play like that. And, and look, he's obviously important to this team. Hubert Davis clearly believes he's very important to this team. Him, Davis and Baycott all at or excuse me, and Manic all at 37 minutes. And the last couple guys, um, and we'll get out of here, Carolina, of course, wins 79-77 at Clemson, which is is tough road win for the conference. Leaky Black. Man, his his uh, 
His mother was very active. So was Leaky <laughs> on the court. I thought that was hilarious. Great thread on inside Carolina message boards. But Leaky again, I mean, he's figuring out what he needs to do. He's played well. The plus minus won't show it. But he hit a big shot, too, there late. He had some rebounds late. Um, just comment on how he's he's grown, really, in this last month. Yeah, shout out to Miss Carla. Uh, you uh, <laughs> you won the game, or you helped win the game for UNC. At times, I think you were playing defense uh, harder than anyone on the court. So, <laughs> if you see this, you know, shout out to you. Uh, Leaky, man, he's, he's progressed. And I, and I think uh, a lot of it has to do with him having a defined role. And people don't like to hear that sometimes but I think he knows exactly what his head coach wants from him for you know really the first time in his career um he I think everybody read the stuff with with Jackie Manuel um last week and how that's helped him you know with anxiety and and calming himself but more than that um he's moving without the ball uh the jumpers or the, the shots that he take most of them are either wide open or within kind of something that you you can see is a muscle memory deal where he's he's repped that you know 500 a thousand times you, you don't see many shots that that look like um, something that he's never done before so either wide open or something he's repped a lot and then you know the guys playing heavy minutes and taking on usually the best offensive player on the perimeter from the other team sometimes like Bancaro the best post player or, or the best you know four from any other team tonight uh, I, I don't remember the guy's name but he was torching Carolina in the first half um, I'll have to go look it up um, I think he had a couple threes. Uh, let me find it. Live radio, everybody. Uh, it was the number 12, Hemingway. You know, Hemingway w- was was kind of going off there in the first half. He had a couple threes back-to-back. They switched Leaky on him, and I don't think we heard anything from him the rest of the game. So people gave Hubert Davis a little flack at the beginning of the season when he talked about, you know, how Leaky could be ACC Defensive Player of the Year. I don't think that's going to happen, but I do think he's proven that he can be a solid defender against, you know, a, a bunch of different type of players from 610 Bancaro to someone like Hemingway um, to the Ellis kid from Louisville. So uh, he's just, he's playing well. And honestly, you trust him as much as anyone on the roster right now when it gets to crunch time, right? Because he's a good free throw shooter too. I was watching a few times. And I was like, he's wide open in the corner and you, <laughs> and, you and something I never thought I'd say and credit to him for doing it is like, kick it to leaky. For open three, uh, I mean, he's made some shots. This Carolina team, uh, where are they right now, Sherelle? Florida State comes to the Smith Center Saturday at 2 o'clock. Uh, then, you know, they, they've got a couple games the following week. I, for sure, if they'd lost this game, the tournament would have been gone except for a miracle, I, I think. But where is Hubert Davis got them right now? I mean, they won five of their last six. It's, it's the same thing with this team. It's – they won five of their last six, but the one loss was so bad that it clouds everything. Not saying it, and not saying people are wrong for making it cloud everything, um, but that's where they are. They won five of their last six. They won two uh, in a row on the road, both tightly contested games, games earlier this season that we really didn't think they had a shot of winning on the road in a close game. That, that doesn't happen. Um, really, it hadn't happened at all before Louisville as far as a real close game down, uh, you know, it comes down to the under four timeout, and they're 2-0. and So, they're, they're showing some metal. They're showing some toughness, I think, which has been wanted. They showed some emotion, uh, which I think has been wanted by the fan base, even though one time they got a tech for it, which was, again, completely ridiculous. Uh, but I, I think they're, they're showing signs, but it's hard to buy into them because they'll have a five out of six streak 
but the one loss is Duke or the one loss is Kentucky or it's back to back to Miami and to Wake Forest or uh, is Tennessee. And they look so bad in those games that it's hard to, to really trust them. So I, I think that's where they're at. They, I feel like they're an NCAA tournament team. Uh, we talked about, all, you know, the rest of the season, they needed to find two road wins. They've got one of them. So they need to find one more road win and protect their home court. And I think they'll be fine for the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I also think this is a big, big win. Uh, I felt like watching Hubert Davis um, and as active as he was, uh-huh. he, knew, he knew how important yeah. getting this one was. For sure. That, I think that was the most animated we've seen him. Mm-hmm. At least that the cameras have caught. Uh, for those of us who, who watch mostly at home, that's that's the most animated that he's been shown on camera. So, I mean, you know, look at the schedule. Uh, home against Florida State, home against Pittsburgh, at Virginia Tech, home against Louisville, at NC State, home against Syracuse, at Duke. So find a road win between Virginia Tech NC, and NC State. I, I'm going to say the, the Duke road win isn't realistic. So find a way to either win at NC State or at Virginia Tech and protect your home court, and you should be fine. Yep, I agree. Carolina wins at Clemson 79-77. I think 17-7 and seven on the season, 9-4 and four in the conference. They're still in it. They still got a chance, and they they're get a game. They're a game back of first place. I know. I don't. That, I'm I'm confused about is that like is that real life? I mean, the ACC. We can debate that, but the bottom line is, no matter what the conference is, there's still a game out of first place um, behind everybody's darlings, uh, Duke, Duke and Virginia. Man, wow, that's crazy how that game turns out. Carolina kills Virginia. Duke kills Carolina. Virginia beats Duke. Makes no sense. I told you my personal philosophy with the ACC, right? Mm-mm. assume UVA is going to win until they don't. So now that they're charging, they're only two games back. Um, I mean, it's, it's going to be a wild last few weeks, man, because all the teams have shown flaws and all the teams are beatable. So who knows what's going to happen? I mean, we could, we could look up in two and a half weeks and, you know, Notre Dame could have won the regular season or, or, or Miami could have, or, or Duke could have, you know, found a way, you know, North Carolina, Stranger things have happened. <laughs> North Carolina could still win the ACC, as crazy as that sounds. I don't expect it to happen, but it's possible. Well, anything is possible. The ACC basketball season is on its head. Sherelle McMillan, I'm Tommy Ashley. It's been the Inside Carolina postgame podcast. Rate us, review us, subscribe, all that good stuff. We did a postgame pod. Some people uh, said we should be able to get one done if we can do others. So I hope folks enjoyed listening. Sherelle, thank you. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.